Welcome back. This is Modern Business Podcast, the podcast for franchise entrepreneurs and franchise entrepreneurs. We're on day four. We're in Park City, Utah. It's a very beautiful place. I think Zach had a little bit of nostalgia hit. As we, we, were, we were driving up from the airport and I was just thinking to myself, like, wow, I'm back here again. This is like my second home and I'm super happy to, to be back. The home of Unconference, the home of, uh, the home of my skiing life and all that. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and uh, we we got to come in and see the location downstairs, and now we're upstairs, and we're uh, very blessed to have the presence of a great man, uh, someone who I actually haven't had the honor to spend a ton of time with. Zach, you've obviously known him for years, but we have the CEO. We're going to skip, by the way, the top of the house announcements. I think we're doing that enough. We'll just get straight in. But we have the CEO of Athletic Republic, Mr. Charlie Graves. Welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here. Zach, I don't think I've ever seen you here in the summertime. I have never been, I have not been here in the summertime for probably 10 years. The, the old saying in Park City is that uh, people come for the winter and stay for the summer. I know. It's beautiful here in the summer. I'm sad. I'm sad I didn't get you here more in the summer, but it is great here. And so there's no bugs. There's no bugs. And our houses don't have air conditioning because yeah. you don't need it. It gets cool every night. So come visit us in Park City, winter or summer. We're a great place to come see. And the headquarters office is right kind of almost slope side. So uh, bring, your, bring your skis in the winter and your golf clubs or fly fishing gear or bike in the summer. We'll be happy to take you out and show you around. I'm very jealous you're talking about the no air conditioner. And as it's turning to summer, I live in Texas. So that's, it's, not, it's not as beautiful as it is here. You need AC. Yeah, just a, just a little bit. Yeah, today, well, today we've got single-digit humidity even in the middle of summer. So it's, it's that dry heat. I love it. <laughs> and you have the radio voice. I like yes, that. Yes, I do. <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm going to start doing monster trucks. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, Charlie, let's kick it off for the folks that don't have context into the brand. Um, I know a lot of folks do know you, but uh, give just the quick background, maybe a little bit about your career journey and also the founding story. Wow, that's a bunch of questions all at once. Uh, so Athletic Republic, sports performance training. We define the category of helping athletes get better. So different than just fitness where you're trying to get in shape, this is about performance. How do I get better in the field of play? Athletic Republic started 30 years ago. The founder was a guy named John Frapier, who was on the U.S. delegation to the Moscow Goodwill Games in 1986. Now, that's before your time. You guys weren't even born Just then. a little before my time. Um, just a little. Just a little. But in those games, uh, the, we had boycotted the 80 games. I had qualified for third in the world going into the 80 games as a swimmer. So I lost my Olympic dream. Um, in 84, the Russians boycotted the uh, summer games in, in L.A. And so Ted Turner put on the games in 86, the first time that anybody saw the Russians compete in 10 years. And they won every gold medal in... Uh, boxing, every gold medal in gymnastics, almost everyone in swimming, and almost everyone in track and field. And the first thing everybody said was, oh, they figured out the new wonder drug these Germans hadn't gotten to yet. Russians said no. Physiology. We figured out and spent time trying to help the human body improve performance. Think Rocky IV and Ivan Dragor. So uh, they invited five physiologists from around the world, including our founder, John Frapier, the only American in the group, to spend a month in Russia to learn what they were doing and to validate that it wasn't drugs. His first day at the Russian sports training camp, he saw athletes being towed behind a pickup truck at 20 miles an hour, towing uphill. They're like, oh my God, we could never do that in America. And they explained that the 
the sprinting mechanics of an athlete uh, was about the contraction, not the extension. And by teaching the athlete how to contract faster by having a remote force, that towing moment forced them to run faster because the truck wasn't slowing down. So unlike a track, you know, you know, the athlete would fatigue and slow down. The other thing that was happening is the coach was on the back of the pickup truck yelling at them in close proximity down mechanics. And the final thing they realized was that the efficiency of running uphill, where anytime your foot is in front of your center of mass, it's braking. Anytime it's behind center of mass, it's propulsion. It was eliminating braking forces. So towing uphill fast was an extremely efficient way to teach running mechanics, but also make kids faster. Light went on. Frappier comes back home, doesn't, realize, doesn't think he can tow athletes in America, but he invents <laughs> the first sprinting treadmill. So a high-speed treadmill that can go 30 miles an hour at a 40% grade, that's going to simulate the same thing he saw in Russia. He also, they also pioneered a couple other things, the idea of periodization, where we can uh, comp- compress the rest recovery cycles of an athlete. Plyometrics, as we know them today, was something they developed, along with a number of other things. And he brought all that back, took four years to figure it out, and launched his first business in 1990. I joined the company in 2007, bought the controlling interest with a partner, um, and took what he had done as a training business and turned it into a sports performance training business. It was a great training company, great equipment, great protocols, but the business model wasn't flushed out, and that's what we did. So I've been with it now a little over 10 years, and we've now grown to 85 locations. We're all about trying to build profitable training centers, and we've done a really good job in, in figuring out this business model that is unique in our category. We've seen tons of failures because of too, bit, too much size, too much uh, not, not operating on the same rec- economics um, like a restaurant. It's different than a restaurant or any other sports or any other business. It's not like a health club. So we had to kind of invent our way into how to uh, take p- sports performance training into a model that could actually be profitable. I love that. And I think that, you know, I've, I've had the, I've had the pleasure of, you know, having people in my family experience your brand, you know, firsthand. And I have as well, you know, I, I know that there have been some upstarts out there uh, that are doing things that are similar. There's, you know, the, the boutique fitness space is also something that is adjacent to what you guys do. So talk a bit about how you guys are really setting yourselves apart from all of that, because there is a lot that fitness has gotten very crowded. But it's, it's, there's a real need, Right. I mean, fitness coming out of COVID, Mike, we went to zero revenue last April and, uh, you know, fitness across the segment, you know, all got decimated because of, you know, the way the government shut down human interaction. And I think probably more than ever, everybody's coming out of COVID with the need that I want to be healthier. I want to be well. So I think the what you're seeing in the boutique fit space, especially, is that the number of niches that are there are really designed to cater to a lot of different type of people. And it's really healthy. And I think there's a lot of demand out for it. We've seen a huge resurgence uh, since you know November. We're now operating at about, uh, as I just told you, um, 4% above 2019 revenue. So we're at you know, our comp sales from Jan- January through May is 4% ahead of 2019. Wow. And I think we'll close the year at probably 10% above 2019. So from going from zero, uh, you know, 10 months ago to this has been a major rebound. And I'll explain how we did it in, in one of the other questions. But to answer, your, to answer that, what makes Athletic Republic unique? You're right. We are in the boutique fitness space. We concentrate 
segmentally on different audiences. So youth, teen, college, and pro athletes are 60% of our business. Adult athletes represent the balance, and we have some niche segments for endurance athletes, return to play for athletes that are coming off of um, ACL injuries, make up the balance of it. What makes us unique is one of the things that Fapir figured out that no one else did was how to individualize small group training. So that prior to this, there had been uh, one-on-one personal training and there had been boot camp or team style training. Fapir figured out a way to individualize every workout for every athlete in a small group setting. So in youth and teens, we train as a, a ratio of five to one. With uh, adults, we train at a ratio of eight to 10 to one. The workouts are already pre-written. So unlike a workout of the day where somebody's sitting at their desk going, hey, battle ropes sound cool, or let's use push sleds, we've already validated this. We use um, a metabolic, neurologic, and, and muscular development, very sophisticated approach to watt generation and power output, as well as your metabolic demands. How much energy is it taking you to complete the workout? So we can safely push the athlete to its full limits. We periodize the workout so that we can compress the level of intensity into a shorter time period and then give the athlete a chance to recover. Back when I was a swimmer and then a triathlete, um, we used to make every workout just a little bit harder. So your body would have to respond just a little bit more. And in theory, you would get a little bit better. The reality is you would get tired, fatigued, plateaued, or injured. Periodization takes that off the table because we, we stack intensity in a short window and give the athlete a chance to recover. You can't do that in boot camp style training because you you can't individualize those workouts and you certainly can't periodize them every six workouts like we do. Every six workouts starts a new periodization process. So we're stacking intensity, which gives us better results with less injury. Um, so that a process of individualized small group training is one. I guess number two I would say is we're speed merchants. We teach speed. It is a skill. I can make every athlete faster. Now, I can't make you Usain Bolt fast, but I can transform human potential into human performance every time. And our training methodology and our high-speed treadmill and the video feedback system and the athlete assessment tools and all the training we provide our, our coaches gives us the ability to help every athlete get faster. So yeah, we teach speed. And I guess finally is... You know, one of many differentiators is that we document results. We have the world's largest performance sports database. We track every athlete when they come in. We get their assessment. We track their um, their baseline for both their their strengths and areas for development: foot speed, change of direction, explosive power, linear speed, rate of force development, uh, all the different measures that quantify you as a as an athlete. And we track that in our database along with video analysis as well. And then we can compare it to other athletes. You know, so if I'm a 13-year-old female lacrosse player in Illinois and I want to see how I compare against all the other 13-year-old midfield lacrosse players in Illinois, I can see how I stack up, what percentile I rank. Gives them a, a chance to know what they have to do to get better. Tell mom and dad, hey, I can get back into Athletic Republic. And also, they can see where they stand on, on a national stage. So that athlete that's the best in the field now has a point of comparison as to where they, they stack up. One of the things that came out of COVID was us adding a predictive analytics overlay to that database. So now we have big data generating intelligence behind it. So we're actually able to make recommendations to the trainers to how to continue to improve each athlete's performance. So those are just three of the main things that come out of it. And the last one I would say is this makes money. 
This is a profitable business. That's important too. Yeah, it is. So not only do we improve the performance of an athlete, we're delivering performance and goals, uh, delivering goals to our owners as well. That's absolutely fascinating. I wish I had that speed training. I I played college baseball, uh, high school baseball, then college baseball. I was never the biggest, the strongest, the tallest, or the fastest, but I probably could have improved a little bit. You mentioned in that and and all of those differentiating factors there, I, I see also a thread of also technology. And you talked about the data analytics, you talked about the video feedback mechanisms. Um, in what ways are you using technology to gain an edge? And you can speak a little bit more to that if you want, but then also on the business side, you know, tools that the franchisees get and it was really interesting. We, we, instead of throttling back during COVID, we actually added staff. We invested more into it. We accelerated a year and a half of product development in the first four months of it. And one of the things that we did was we surveyed our network um, and said, okay, how can we improve the business? Now, they didn't have solutions, but they had issues that, and problems that they wanted us to solve. And we did a number of things, one of which was to create benchmarking across our entire network in multiple different pillars, all driven off that technology. So simple things like a lot of, you know, we all track AUV, but the KPIs beyond AUV, for us, those are the drivers that we can look at daily that, uh, you know, what's my uh, my number of free trials, my, what's my conversion rate to free trials, um, what's my ratio of athlete to trainer, you know, we have a, a series of key performance indicators that we use and track by week so that we can now see um, how an, a center is performing. So we can see how the outliers are fitting. So if we have somebody that's exceeding things, oh my God, you had 40 trials this week and, you know, our average right now is 85% of conversion of trial to, to membership. So all of a sudden they're hitting 100%. Okay, what, what happened there? Or if somebody's only at 40, what's going on there? So we use data on analytical data for uh, the business metrics, the KPIs and, and revenue, things like that. And we report that back in our monthly calls with all our network. And we have on business development calls every, every month with every center individually, comparing them against those norms too. Second thing we added, like a lot of uh, franchises would do, is a customer engagement metric. Um, so the net performer score, your reputation management, your social engagement on your website, social tools. We, we brought that into a data analytic field so that we could see the communication that was happening between our audience. Hell, we've, we've trained thousands and thousands of elite and professional athletes. We had 30 guys go in this NFL draft. One of the guys that's playing for the Suns, um, uh, Jalen Smith, trained with us. He was the number 10 pack pick in the last NFL, NBA draft in November. I mean, we train a lot of elite athletes. But now with reputation management, we've got every athlete communicating. So those testimonials are really genuine and vibrant, and we want to make sure that we're harvesting them. Um, and then the third thing that we did in, the, in, the, in those pillars of evaluation was take a look at our training results. So if we're a business that's performance driven, you are driven off of results, not just, you know, what's what your P&L says, but athlete performance results data, too. And so we instituted a process and a roll up in that database so that we could see average results by age, by sport, by number of sessions by athletes so that we could see how data was being churned up. That data analytics piece has a lot of tools to it. We, we white labeled a new 
um, athlete assessment video system that we now have implemented, um, a new new force plate data that's now integrated into our process, um, a new online scheduling tool that we're about to debut that uh, it will is will blow some of the standard over the off the shelf topics uh, off the shelf products away, and an app that uh, now the athlete gets all that in their own locker so they can look at that that 14 year old girl's assessment she can do it herself she can compare her results on her own phone to see how she stacks up against all the other athletes get trainer notes share the videos that we capture in inside the center and get that social sharing go with it so technology has been a big addition to us in the last year you know through the covid process we've invested heavily in improving the technology again as the pioneer in this category we're leading in every area and everybody else follows from our color schemes to our taglines look at our category leaders everybody else has followed everything we've done well good luck with this one because it's going to cost you some money to catch up i love that i love that because it is it's true i mean it, it you guys have always been at the forefront of using you know technology to your advantage you, even even sherry was getting all this when she was going through the entire process and you know not an athlete but was hurt and was trying to recover and had all the and, and, and had all this data behind exactly what to do and it really helped which was well, really well cool. you think about it we all live make decisions a lot easier when you have information but think about yourself as a, as you as a young foot baseball player. At what age did you figure out what it was going to take for you to get better? How old were you? I was probably seven years old. That's pretty good. I was an elite swimmer, and I listened to my coaches my entire life. I never really knew what I needed to do without a coach telling me until I was probably 18 or 19. I was a little weird. So I knew because I was a catcher, and I knew that you track pop time and this and and on down the list. And, uh, I mean, I wasn't getting technical with it, but, and I would take the, the hitting lessons with the profession, former professional coach and all of that, but we didn't have a lot of this capability video breakdowns. I, I think the t- technology has progressed so much. I'm like fired up as you're talking about this. And also the competitive element of being able to look at it. We're human beings and we see where we sit comparatively to other folks. It's just, it's competitive. You want to get better. You absolutely want to get better. And it's not driven off your heart rate, which I can elevate with a cup of coffee. It's delivering, it's being diagnosed by what you accomplish and what you can achieve. I think what's really important here is enabling the athlete to know more about their own body. It's no different than wearing a whoop or a Fitbit. We all do, you're starting to do that because we want more information. Ours, though, is at a different level so that we can track performance, not just fitness, so that when that girl wants to get better, she knows exactly what she has to do and she can track it. Hey, mom, I moved from the 48th percentile and change of direction to the 75th percentile. I moved from my linear speed from from 80 to 92 percent. All of a sudden now that training IQ that we're helping them understand is going to carry with them for life. And it's interesting that you're doing that for your customers and then also internally doing the same thing for the business metrics and the KPIs. And exactly the same. So our, t- our mission, sounds like some marketing speak, is to transform potential into performance. That means human potential into human performance, just like it does business potential into business performance. And those metrics are exactly the same. And that was one of the things that came out of our surveys with our, our, our network saying, hey, we do a great job analyzing the athlete and how to help improve them. How do we do that and take the normative data you're collecting on all of us 
and helping the 85 centers that you have open and all this collective knowledge in the network to help each athlete, excuse me, each, each owner improve their performance. And that's what came out of COVID for us. And we've erupted coming out of COVID, not only with a really aggressive business development engine, but a performance engine in the centers that has been unmatched in a category that was really hurt, including ourselves coming through the COVID process. You know, I'm curious based off of all of this, because there's so many, you know, there's some, there's a lot of sophistication to what, to what you guys do. And there's a lot of, I, I think that the tools that you have is, are, are, are so impressive. And I think that it's, but I think that it does require some knowledge on how to be able to be that, that guide to be able to ensure that people are really improving on all the things that they're setting out to do. And so, you know, as you say, when you're, when you have your 85 centers, how are you, how, how are you, you know, allowing them to, or helping them to be accountable, you know, across all the different locations? Is there anything that you guys use from an operational standpoint that helps them to, you know, to be held accountable for all the money you guys put into the operational model? You know, I think this is one of the values of, you know, springboard in the conferences that, you know, the, you know, Fisher Zucker and Fishman have put together. I have learned a ton from other franchisors. And the standard, it doesn't have to be in fitness. You know, I think back the conversations, the roundtables we do at New Park and in Philly. Yeah. It's the standard, what they have done before us in the leveraging the knowledge of franchising has helped us hold our groups accountable. It's communication. It's data. It's knowledge. It's being transparent. It's being factual, honest, and recognizing that we're partners in this that are, have a vested interest in each of each other's stake. And yes, we have a number of tools, the KPI pieces of it as well, our education system that helps standardize the execution to deliver an extraordinary experience for every customer. Our average youth athlete, has a ret- we have a retention rate of over five years. We have some of our competitors, they lose 7% of their customers a month. I mean, that's 100% a year they're turning over. Um, our adult audience in a category where, you know, we're competing with Orange Theory and F45 that have huge churn rates, we're at five and six years in a category that is shopping all the time. And in there, with us almost exclusively, not just doing us in yoga and Pilates and everything else, it's been pretty amazing is that this idea to scale an extraordinary experience through every one of our trainers who's being paid, you know, above minimum wage, even above $15 an hour, but we're able to scale that in a way that brings creativity and charisma and engagement at the local level, both to owner and our training staffs. That's awesome. As you're talking, I'm just fired up. I want to know if you have the market open in Dallas. Maybe I should invest into a system. You better hurry. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, you mentioned social and you mentioned these the 30 athletes in the past draft That's and, and the reputation component and getting those reviews. And, and that's a huge element of, of uh, being seen and discovered online. But when you look at the market, and obviously the, there's infinite ways now to reach consumers through marketing, whether it's social and on down the list. It's very fragmented. Um, what does the marketing playbook look like? For I'm a, I'm a new franchisee. I come into the system. What type of marketing support do I get? And what does that playbook look like? You know, it's really interesting. Sherry, your mom actually helped us redefine it uh, in an amazing way. You know, I, 
I guess I had not, I'm a compartmentalizer. And so we ended up breaking things up between different strategies for retention because from a membership standpoint, that's just as valuable as acquiring a new customer. And the research is saying that it's five times more expensive to, reten- you know, to acquire a new customer than keep an existing one. So we have very comprehensive retention strategies and incentive plans in our staff levels to be able to make sure that we're getting good engagement and, re- and retention. We do, with it, like everybody else now, is shopping re- reputation. We're asking people to make a rate, give us a rating to make a statement, post a comment, just like everybody else. That's why it's getting shaped because it's being corporately driven. A different strategy for referral. I mean, it's our single best word of mouth advertising is the single best way that you can acquire customers. And we retain our average customers recommending um, five, uh, bring five referrals a year. We've, we, uh, we've, added a buddy pass process where kind of like the ski resorts where you, you, yeah. know, you give a buddy pass out. So now you can, you know, for every month that you have a membership, you get two buddy passes. We have bring a friend Fridays. Um, we're trying to promote and stimulate that and earn referrals. We don't pay for referrals. You're not getting a free iPad when you give us five people's names. That's, that's not, if you think about yourself, if you saw a great Netflix show the other night and you're telling your friends, you didn't get paid for that. They earned that by having a great product. We earn our reputation because we're delivering a great service, getting great results, and the athletes want to share it with their friends. And we know if they come in with them and, and they see how much better their friend's doing, they're going to go home and tell mom and dad, I got to get in there too. And finally, customer acquisition. Um, we do two things. One is a local outreach effort that's really hyper-focused on influencers. We know where the athletes are. They're on the courts, the pool decks, the pitches, the diamonds inside every, every community. So we have a hyper-focused strategy around each sport, each season with each influencer that we teach our network so that we're building long-term relationships with, with clubs, which is where Sports are going outside of high school football. Everything else has gone club. And so we're hyper-focused on the club market and building those relationships. And then secondly, we, have, we brought one of the other things that came out of COVID was our new operators saying, hey, look, it, we're so consumed with building out our facility with you and hiring staff. We don't have the expertise and the knowledge to sell this. Can you help us? So we created an in-house agency that now does all the pre-sale and post-sale um, with a goal of having 100 members within 100 days post-open. The last two centers we opened, one in Raleigh, North Carolina, they crossed 141 members in 70 days. Uh, the last one we opened three weeks ago in Boca Raton's already hit uh, 50 members. Um, and our in-house agency is driving that. So we're doing Facebook and Instagram profiling. We built our own algorithm um, and learned a lot from Franchise Ramp and some of our other vendors that were out there. We, we felt like we could do a better job of it. And we actually built our own algorithm and placed our own advertising now and then groom manage the leads through our CRM process and drive lead acquisition to, and then book the trials that then lead to our, teach our centers how to convert trials to convert uh, to members, which is working really well. And so that retention, referral, and acquisition strategy, the, ec- the knowledge of us actually processing that as different strategies and different approaches really came from Fishman PR. Love it. I love it. So you mentioned an 85% conversion rate. 
that's extremely high. What, what do you, do you think it's just the nature of the product it's itself or is, are you doing anything special that helps keep that number so high? It's a difficult as here. We've been talking for a few minutes about it and it's taken me some time to explain what we do. You can now, if you think about a parent or a child, how do I explain how I'm going to help you get better? It's so much easier to say, come in for a free trial. We have an hour now to talk to them about it. The athlete has a chance to experience, experience our training. It, yeah. And we'll do a video analysis as well. So parents give their kids swim lessons and tennis lessons and piano lessons. Not one has ever given them a, a running lesson. So we'll take 10 minutes of this doing a running mechanics lesson, teach the athlete how to run. And because we're video-based, we'll shoot a pre-test and a post-test, show them side by side after 10 minutes and show that to the parents on your tablet side by side. They're buying every time. It's incredible. Yeah, the, the, you know, we're, we're changing their way they run. All of a sudden, the athlete looks like an athlete instead of a shuffler. It's, you know, it's, it's a dramatic difference. The athlete you know, wants to be coming back because they see the value what they're getting at to it. So it's not like mom and dad having to so say, Sally, do you want to do this? She's like, when can we get back? And so it's the kids that are training with us that are really selling it for us. And our trainers are taught how to deliver that extraordinary experience. I mean, our lifetime value, if you extrapolate that out, it's about twenty dollars to $25,000 per customer. So we teach our head trainers that they're the ones doing the trials, not an intern, because that's so much valuable. And we also incentivize the head trainer and our general managers around membership sales so that they're aligned as well. So they're making sure that everybody that comes in signs up. I like it. And, you know, I'm I, I'm curious just based off of all of us because you, you know, clearly, you know, since we last talked, a, a lot has changed in, in, in a good way. I mean, there's just been so much that's been added. And Ryan made the comment that he better invest quick. I think that that's a really good segue into, you know, hearing a bit about from a franchise development perspective, you know, because I know that you're, you know, on the front lines with that currently, you know, what are you seeing in terms of the types of people that are that are interested in your brand? And you know, ideally, you know, what has really worked super well for you in terms of the profile that you're finding? That's that's a great question. It's interesting. We've tried using franchise uh, consulting companies, and it really hasn't worked. Um, part of it is you're getting my sense of knowledge of the business, and so I stepped in um, eight months ago to take over franchise development. And I get a conversation almost with everybody I talk to, whether it's a, one of the, the broker groups that's referring clients or somebody that's coming to us organic. They're surprised that they're talking to the CEO. But I would say that it's the single most important thing I do is to bring good talent into an organization. The people is what matters in the business. Without good people, you can't have a good business. And if I left that to somebody else to determine if this is a good person or not, that's foolish as a CEO to do. This is not the thing to outsource. This is the thing to insource and to own and to put and invest time into because now I get to choose who's coming into our network. And I'm not looking to sell 150 units a year. I'm trying to open 18 to 20 successful centers that are crossing that 100 unit, that 100 member mark within their 100 days because they're investing their time, their talent, their treasure into us. And I owe it to them as a new franchisee to make sure that they're going to be successful. I'm not in this to sell units. I'm in this to have a business that's going to have longevity and have successful operators. My peer group, not one of them has sold a multi, has, that has sold multi-unit 
deals has ever opened a second location. Come on, that is ridiculous. So that tells me they're not committed to successful operators. They're into successful sales. That's not my game. So I'm selling a business that's gonna reward our operators, not only with a profitable venture, but a passion of a business that they care about being and they can see and enjoy their day in the life. So today with COVID, your second part of your question, who am I seeing? I'm seeing the side hustle. We're seeing the guy that's got, or, or women now more than ever, a lot of women that are corporate executives that still have their jobs, didn't get sized out, but don't want to have to ever rely on their business ever again. And so they're starting to lurk, just like a lot of other franchise franchises are seeing. We're seeing that side hustle. I want to start my own franchise. And if it's successful, when it's successful, then I'll transition into this full time and open my second and third location. Where do folks go to learn more? Because I feel like the audience has to be pumped up because I'm pumped up just listening to you talk. But where do people go to learn more if they're interested in going through the process to see if they're the right fit? Thanks. Um, yeah, athleticrepublic.com is the place to start. There's a form that you can hit on site on it that's, that'll let you, you know, ask for more information. You're going to get an email from me that sets up a phone conversation and we'll, we'll start the process from there. Beautiful. As we move to close here, and I asked that prior because it was the perfect moment to insert that. Um, advice for, for folks, for uh, maybe they're emerging, leaders of emerging brands, um, maybe they're prospective franchisees, but I'd just take a couple of minutes or a minute or so and just give advice to uh, folks in the audience that want to, in similar terms, I forget the exact mission statement that you have, but turning turning potential into performance. You got it. But this is in business, right? And so advice for folks that are looking to up their business performance game. I think all our lives changed with COVID. Um, I think we all took a step back and decided what was important to us. And I think all of us realized that you want to spend more time with your passions and less time with your pain. And so... If you don't love what you do, if you're not being creatively focused on it, then think about something else. Find stuff you love. We're no longer in our parents' generation that had to work the way they did. We can create our own jobs, create our own um, opportunities. And I would inv invite people to really focus in on what they care about and then make that the center part piece of their lives and their business. And because if you love what you're doing, you're going to be so much better at it. I completely agree. I think that it, especially with, you know, all, all that we see with you and I absolutely just loved that episode because it's just, it's always great. And I've always wanted to have you on. And I think that I, I knew that this would be awesome. And I, Ryan didn't know much and I'm happy that he did. Well, so. you think about you guys for a second. I mean, you went 40 days last year in the bus and now you're back on the road again, doing more of this. You must love it because you're doing it again after, after what was a great first season. And we're not sick of each other yet. Somehow, somehow <laughs> I have no clue how. Well, Charlie, we really, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, really happy that we made the trip up to Park City. Folks, thanks again for listening uh, and uh, looking forward to giving you more great episodes. Cheers. Cheers.